Let's, let's take them out this time, circulate those. You may not be able to see what's on the screen, so you might be able to see it better if it's in your hand, amen? Uh, for all my uh, visually challenged folk out there, I can't always see what's on the screen, but at least if you can take those bifocals, come on, say amen, somebody, and just put that thing close to you, near side or the far side, you'll have it in your hand. Somebody shout, in my hand, amen? At least have it in your hand. We thank God today for that. Uh, we are sincerely excited about how God has blessed us throughout the 40 for Family experience, amen? And so as we go forward, we were praying, we're like, Lord, uh, what would you have us to teach the people at this season now? Where are we going from here? And early in the morning and time in prayer, Pastor Coxham and myself, uh, Lord said very clearly, he says, I want you to begin to study the tabernacle or the sanctuary. And so we are going to do what we can to teach on this thing by the grace of God. And I'm going to flip this chart around in a little while so that you can see what we have here as we begin to go into this study. Amen. So uh, a couple things that you need to understand before you uh, like hear the word. Number one, this is not going to be your average preaching service. What I am saying is, is it would do you well. You will get nothing out of what I'm preaching if you do not take uh, notes like you got a test that you're about to take. However, you can learn this information, you need to get it. One of the things I've found is, is that there, there are folk who don't know half as much as we know, who when they come to the house of God and it's time for the word of God to be preached, they take out pen and paper because they plan on telling what they have learned. This is how most folk view the sermonic moment. They think, I hear it, I feel good about it, now I can go on another day. They feel, man, he preached a good sermon. What did he talk about? I don't know, but it was good. It's a good word. And I hear folks say, it touched my heart. I I was moved. I I, I felt like I can go on another day. I want you to know today that if you are a believer, then your your perspective in this moment should not be to get a blessing. You already got a blessing. How many are already blessed? Yeah, you are. Stop being greedy. You already blessed. Yeah, what you're supposed to do now is, is say, God, speak to me so that I can be a blessing. Yeah, teach me something so that I can move on, as Hebrews says, and we're going to be in and out of Hebrews during this session, so that I can move on from spiritual milk, what the Bible defines as simply receiving the word, and go on to spiritual maturity, which is actually sharing the word of God. Let me say this before I begin. One of, well, one of our young people was, was in the office a few minutes ago, and they were talking with me about, you know, how, how can I share my faith faster? Uh, you know, I, I mean, what, what, should I, what doctrine should I share first, and, and so forth. Can I help y'all out with something? The last thing you should be trying to tell people after you have skipped all the other important stuff is what day you worship on, what happens when you die, and what kind of foods you should be eating. That's not where you start. As a matter of fact, in this day and age, people are not impressed with knowledge and information. How many of you have ever been, and you said, Lord, seventh day is the Sabbath. I don't understand why they won't come. They know better. I guess they're going to go to hell. No, 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 no,
No, no, no, no. Oh, here, can I help you? Pastor, I, I, I want people to come to church. I want to see my families come to the Lord. I got a biblical solution for you. Are you ready for this now? Live like a Christian. Hold on, I'm not done. To the extent that people are so impressed with your life that they want to know what you believe. That's the way it works. Have you ever seen anybody sell a product? Like, for example, these new phones that are out now. You got your G3s, you got your iPhones. They don't sell phones by telling you all that's all, all the technical stuff about the phone, how many gigabytes. First of all, they tell you what the phone can do for you. You see the phone work and you say, I got to have that phone in my life. And then you get more into the specifics. Hear me now. This study, and I got to make this clear. Uh, we are not sitting here no, navel gazing. Y'all know what that means? Like when you gaze at your navel, basically you're looking at yourself. We ain't trying. This ain't no teaching series where we can say, that's right. That's the truth. I wish those folks would get it. If you hear the messages that I am going to be preaching and Pastor Coach is going to be preaching and all you're getting out of it is whipping material to go and beat somebody down with. Somebody shout, you missed it. That thing, you know, my dad does this when, he, when you say something deep and it just went over woo, went right over your head. Yeah, 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 yeah. I believe, and this is the, the theme has, is called the blueprint. Somebody say the blueprint. The title of our study, we're going to take this all the way into January, the blueprint. Would you say the blueprint one more time? The purpose of the blueprint is to learn how God works in our lives, period. I'm telling you that as we study the scriptures, God is going to show us very clearly how he works in our lives. You cannot join God in what he's doing unless you know where he is and what he's doing. And so by the grace of God, we're going to uh, put out some information today that will help you in that regard. Let's go right to the word. Go with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 25. All right. Exodus chapter 25. Everybody there? Exodus 25. I got a remote down there. I'm going to need that remote in a second just to put some up there for the folk who like to see stuff on the screen. I went to the Dallas Cowboys game uh, one time in Texas and they got this real big. Um, I mean, it's huge. Like it seats 100,000 people. Their new football stadium. And uh, they have a screen in there that's 60 yards long. Let me put that into perspective. I mean, if you've ever seen a football field, the screen is longer than this church. And so when I went to the game, because I'm such a digital guy, I'm, I'm, I got great seats. I can see literally, I can see the players right there. But I would have ra I'd rather watch the screen. <laughs> I mean, the screen was awesome. I mean, it was high definition and they were huge. And some of us have a tendency, we prefer to look stuff on the screen, but it's not that bright. Do whatever you got to work with, you do that. How many got your handouts? You got your handouts, just wave your hands in the air, wave it like you just don't care. You got, you got your handout, all right? All right, cool. All right, let's go. All right, so, so here we are, Exodus 25, verses 1 through 8, and we're going to give you a brief overview today of where God is leading us, and I think by the grace of God, it's going to help somebody today. Help me, God. Uh, Exodus 25, verse 8. I was kind of nervous today. I ain't preaching like six weeks, so I'm feeling kind of funny. Like, ooh, it's been a long time since I've been up here. Matthew 25, verse 8. If you're there, would you say amen? amen. What of the Lord says? It says, the Lord said to Moses, said to who? Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me. It's on the screen if you need to follow my version. From each man, now watch this now, whose heart prompts him to do what? In other words, I want you to receive an offering from the willing folk. Amen. Amen. So notice how God is starting this thing out. He is starting off talking about giving first. Talking about what everybody? 
He's talking about giving it. He said, look, I don't even I don't even want it. If they're not willing to give it. He goes on to say in the same passage of scripture in verse three, these are the offerings you are to receive from them. Help me out. It's on the screen. What? Gold. Uh huh. Silver. And what else? Bronze. What else? Blue. Verse four. Purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen. Fine. What kind of linen, everybody? Goat hair. Now, goat hair doesn't sound like it's all that deep, but goat hair was was pretty, pretty important. Pretty special. Goat hair. What else? It says ram skins. Yeah, that's a big deal. Dyed red and hides of sea cows or sea lions. That's, that's pretty exclusive. So uh, it goes on to say acacia wood, olive oil for the light. Anybody ever go to the grocery store and try to buy olive oil before? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's like $18, depending on where you go. It's expensive, right? Uh, for the light. Spices for the anointing oil. And for the fragrant incense and what else, everybody? Onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastplate. Let me pause here and say this. So far, we haven't even we haven't even touched on the idea of this tabernacle or sanctuary, which we will get into momentarily. But God starts off first asking us to do what? To do what? Now, the kind of stuff that God is asking them to give is not like. You know, the hand-me-downs. God is not asking them to bring, like, you know, fake metal, uh, plastic. He's, he's asking them to bring wealth. Amen. Three pop, 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 popcorn, amens, amen. He is asking them to bring gold, silver, bronze, and then rare animals. Where were they supposed to get this stuff from? You'll find out in a minute. Let's go now to verse uh, number eight. Notice how God set this, sets this thing up. We've got to understand this before we get into any deep stuff. The Bible says in verse 8, if you're there, somebody shout verse 8. The Bible says, then have them. Then. Then. Have, then. 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 Before, before you do this, do that. Then. Have them. Can't get past that thing. Then. Don't even try on making me a sound until. Do, do this first. Give some stuff up first. Help me to get this word in there today, God. It says, then have them make a what, everybody? For me, and I will do what? I will dwell among them. Hallelujah. Uh, Verse 9. And then notice what else he says. He says, and there's just three points in this message, just three real clear points. They jump out immediately. Verse 9, the Bible says, make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. Father in heaven, help us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Yesterday I had the, uh, the privilege and the opportunity to go uh, down, down, downtown to CSU to the, uh, to the soccer field to, to hang out with uh, Barack Obama. And uh, I took my kids and uh, my wife and uh, Sister Claire gave us some tickets, man. We thank God for her. And so we went down there, and, and I want you to know, man, I, I was like, thank God I went down there. God showed me some stuff about, about how, 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 how they set things up just for one man to show up in town. It's, ama- it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing. I understand now that the Secret Service, Secret Service, and for those of you who don't know, Secret Service are those bodyguards that are responsible for the president's well-being in his life. The Secret Service, watch this, guys. Can I blow your mind? They spend $47 million a year 
just to protect the president. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. That's one dude. I ain't talking about Sasha and Malia and, and, and what's, what's my girl's name? Michelle. It costs for and, and, and it was very clear to say this is not including all the other special trips that he takes. Carl, $47 million a year is spent just to make sure that the president gets in his own plane. Come on, he don't fly commercial. But he's the president of the United States, amen? And when he gets in town, he doesn't get in a taxi cab. But you can't have that. People will be people will be going crazy over the president. Did y'all see that one guy? If you he was on a campaign stop and this one brother jumped up and hugged him. I mean, that's like a no-no. He's the president, man. Like you can't touch him. I mean, that kind of shocked me a little bit. Like, whoa, how did he get that close to the president? Because the president is surrounded by all kinds of security details, and he's surrounded by checkpoints. They shut down. They shut down almost four, five, six, seven, eight blocks, and they are very intentional. They have a plan every time that they, they know who was there. Oh, y'all, y'all didn't hear what I just said. They know who was there. They know I was there. They check to see if there's any fools in the city of Cleveland before they bring him there, just in case somebody pulls out a gun and tries to kill him. Or pulls out a bomb. Understand this thing. When it does happen, when it actually happens that a president, somehow his security system is breached and he is killed, you better know it was an inside job. Oh, oh, oh for real. Like, it, it, is, it is virtually impossible to get next to a president that is surrounded by thousands. In the city of Cleveland yesterday, there were thousands of people who were on assignment just to make, and they were here a year in advance. Check it out, folk. They probably looked up Violet Cox. Violet Cox works over at CSU. They checked you out. Make sure you're not a terrorist. And, and, you know, the Lord hit me very clearly, and I said, oh, God, i got to tell the saints this. And it blew my mind. As we were standing there, we went through several checkpoints, and, and we had a blue car, and everybody had this color card, and, and we sat there, and we stood in the rain and waited for Barack Obama for three and a half hours in the rain, and he showed up for 15 minutes. And guess what? It was worth it! <laughs> Oh, it was so worth it. Don't get me wrong. I love God. I'm not, I, I mean, I don't worship the president, but, but I'm sorry. He's the president. Even when I was in choirs and we would sing for non, for, for presidents of other parties, it was still, I don't care if you don't like the president. It's still something special about being in the, in the presence of the most powerful man in the world. But when he black, come on in here, sir. And, and you know, I, mean, I don't want to stay here for a long time, but your boy is so cool, man. Dude comes in and he just, I mean, he got our walk. Come on, say amen. Bam. Bam. I mean, boy, like, that's me. That's that guy. Wow. And when he stepped to the mic, he wasn't trying to get ready. He was ready, man. Boom. He began to speak and he just began to tear down the other guy. And, and just, I mean, with fluency and articulation. And it was just, it was amazing, man. It was, it was pandemonia. And the crazy thing is there were people there from every walk of life, every race, every denomination. It was unbelievable. I actually had the privilege. Some of you had the chance. I went down to the inauguration that was in Washington, D.C. 
where there were over a million people there. And I'm telling you right now, that thing was mind blowing to see all these people surrounding this man, all these people impressed with this man. And I just kept thinking, I look at the snipers on the roof. Some of y'all saw my Facebook page. The snipers were there. Don't, don't sleep. Don't sleep. This is a nice event. This is a family event. But, but just in case, we need to do work. And some of these guys were a long way away. I understand some of these guys can shoot dead point a mile away. Like, really? I mean, and they're, they're, they're stationed everywhere. People are everywhere. Nothing is by happenstance. Nothing is by surprise. Everything is calculated. Every person has been well chosen. Every person has been ID'd. Every person has been searched. Guess what? Why? Because one man. One man is coming to town. I mean, shut down traffic. You can't make it to work. Oh, well, one man's coming to town. Shut down the airport. One man's coming to town. This is the point I want to make to you today. They made year-long preparations for one man to show up so that they could be in his presence. The whole point of the sanctuary. I just want to, I mean, look, I mean, I know, let me, one of the problems why people avoid the teaching on the sanctuary and the tabernacle is because there's so many details. Understand this now. There, is o- there are only two chapters on the creation of the world. Amen. There are 50 chapters on the creation of the sanctuary. Amen. Did you hear what I just said? Amen. So you know why people avoid this thing? There's a lot of details. There's a lot of details. There's a lot of, there's a lot of nuances. There are a lot of symbols. And, and it's easy just to stand away from it. But you've got to understand, if God chose to use 50 chapters of the Bible to teach about a tent then there must be something in this tent that has to do with my life. So for the first thing, I'm going to ask you this. Why concern ourselves with this sanctuary? Number one, because this is the point. The Bible says, let them make me a sanctuary that I might do what, everybody? The whole purpose of a sanctuary, heavenly, earthly, or humanly, is that the presence, hallelujah, yeah, the presence of God might be with us. And, and just like Barack Obama, or even more so, you just, God can't show up in your life, in your house, in your church, unless there are meticulous preparations that are made for his presence. If somebody knows what I'm talking about in here, somebody shout, I feel you, pastor. In other words, God says, when I show up, you got work to do before I get there. And so key word here, the, 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 the mission really of this thing is to show us how to prepare for God's presence. The next thing you need to understand is the purpose of the sanctuary is to show us how God works. What did I say, everybody? Show us what? Talk back to me to show us what, everybody? In other words, God is saying, I'm going to show you. God is so bad. He's so, he's so awesome. Like, I love this guy. I mean, he's the man. He said, I'm going to show you. From, from, he said, I'm going to take a tent with sea lions skin with bronze and silver and I'm going to show you how I work through a tent study that tent what a tent for real study the tent why are you going to study the tent because if you see how I worked in the tent then you'll see how I work in your life so here it goes number one so people ask why, why are we concerning ourselves in 2012 with, with a tent that's 3,500 years old first thing you need to understand is the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16 all scripture is given of God and it's profitable. Somebody say profitable. 
Look, never get to a place in your walk with God where you start picking and choosing who you're going to hear from, what sermon you're going to be blessed by. Oh, I, I can't understand this scripture. Everything in the Bible is for your instruction and all of it is profitable. Number two, why should we study this thing? Because Luke 24, 27, Jesus says himself that the sanctuary is a prototype. It is a model. It is a replica of himself. I, how many want to see more of Jesus? In order to see more of Jesus, you got to see how he worked through the sanctuary. Number three, the third thing you need to understand about why we concern ourselves with this is it shows us. Somebody say it shows us. It shows us how God works. Go with me to Psalm 77, 13. Let's go. Psalm 77, 13. Praise God. Psalm 77, 13. What book did I say, everybody? Psalm 77 and verse 13. If you're still with me, uh, just, just let me know you're still here by saying yes. All right, Psalm 77, 13 says this. The Bible says, he says, your ways, O God, are in the sanctuary. Did you catch that? In, in some versions, it says your ways are holy. But the same word for holy is the same word for sanctuary. So in other words, understand what David is saying. David is saying, catch me now, saints, that the way God works is revealed, stay with me, look, don't look at your papers right now, but get, catch me now, the, if we're going to understand what God will allow us to understand about him. Now, now know that. You will never figure out God, okay? As a matter of fact, when we get to heaven, we're still going to be studying God. That's how deep it is. We can figure out Barack Obama. We can't figure out God. Come on, say amen. The Bible says his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And while I'm here, I'm going to parenthetically just state to somebody, stop trying to figure God out. Some of you are struggling right now in your life and God has allowed some things. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this word, God. God has allowed some things to happen in your life. I'm living it right now. I ain't preaching about something that sounds good. I'm telling you, there are some things that are happening in my life. There are some things that are happening in your life right now that you cannot figure out. You don't understand why God is treating you this way, but you got to know that his ways are not your ways his thoughts are not your thoughts and God knows come on in here why get with me today God knows what he is doing and there is a plan thank you God there God has a plan and the plan of God is not always understood by our puny minds but you better believe that if God is doing it then God's gonna bring some good out of it So here we go. What's the story behind this thing? First thing, you got to say three things. There are three sanctuaries. How many did I say, everybody? Three. Three, write this down. Number one, the heavenly. We just read in the text, the Bible says, build the sanctuary after the pattern. Build it after what, everybody? In other words, God showed Moses in a mountain a pattern. Anybody know what a pattern is? Huh? Yeah, it shows you how to make something. You know what a blueprint is? Let me paint it like this. God is the architecture. He's the, ar- he's the architect. All right? All right. Moses was the, uh, he's the general contractor. And we're the subcontractors. You follow me now? God says, look, I'm going to show you, and let me, let me just help somebody out. You got to understand these things before we go forward. There are some people who are like hooked on the sanctuary being exactly like the sanctuary in heaven. It can't be. Ain't no way. There's no way God can use sinful human beings and sinful materials to perfectly represent who he is. What God is basically saying is, is I'm going to do the best I can with your dull minds to show you how I work. And so I'm going to use this thing. It'll work because it'll make the main point that I'm trying to make. And that's that you have a savior. 
that's full of grace and that's full of mercy. But in the meantime, let me take some goats. Let me take some human beings. Let me take some sea lion skin. Let me take two compartments, a holy place, a most holy place. Let me take a basin. Let me take an altar. And when you walk into the sanctuary, and we'll get onto this next week, the first thing I want you to do is I want you to walk through. I want you to walk through the one door. How many doors are there, everybody? One thing about the sanctuary, it shows us about Christ and our salvation. There's only one way in. Somebody shout, it's only one way. You notice that the sanctuary, and this is just my little, you know what I'm saying, pray for the preacher. He can't really draw that good, but, you know, I worked that out. Amen. But one thing you understand is, is that when it comes to the thing, this thing with Christ and our relationship with him, there was only one way to get in. You, you couldn't climb over on the side. How ghetto would that be? Folk climbing all on gold poles, trying to get in. No, 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 no. There was only one way. Somebody shout one way. There was only one way you could get in. And so notice now, God, follow, follow now. These are symbols to show us how God works. I got to repeat that. This is a to show us how God works. So what is God first saying to us? He's saying, ha, 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 ha. There, there are not a lot of ways that you can get to Jesus. There's only one way. And there's only one Jesus. There's only one door. The Bible says, I thank God for Jesus. I am. Is anybody in love with him today? I am the way that you. And I'm glad that Jesus is standing here and not some church folk. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Thank God I don't got to go through you. (laughs) Yeah. To get in. Oh, thank you, Lord. I go through Jesus. And see, the reason I go through Jesus is because the Bible says in Hebrews that you got a high priest that, that's, that, that, that's been through what you've been through. I mean, he understands. Thank you, God. Anybody ever been around folk that you try to explain your scenario and your situation and they look at your life and they don't understand why you did what you did and they just don't feel where you're coming from and they judge you and they, oh, yeah, yeah, but when you talk to Jesus, when you tell Jesus, Jesus does not look at you funny. Jesus does not talk behind your back. Jesus does not think less of you because you did this or you did that. Jesus simply says, come, come unto me. All ye that labor, hallelujah. And I, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Does anybody love the God I'm talking about? This is not a moment where you need to be pushed to praise him. I'm talking about the lover of your soul. If it had not been for Jesus. Jesus. The Christ. And he says through the sanctuary. He says, if you go get in, come through me. Now, what was the first thing that happened when one went in the sanctuary? There's an altar. You see it there on your handout? An altar is a place of death. Can I just break this down real quick? Simplified. Most holy place. Reason why they called it that is because this is where the presence of God lived. Sat right on the mercy seat. Glory. There was a holy place. Holy place in there had a table of showbread, had an altar of incense, which represent power of prayer. Table of showbread represent the power of the word. And then it had seven golden candlesticks, which represents the Holy Spirit. You can't get the word. You can't get prayer if you don't have the spirit. All three of these things must work together in order to get you beyond the veil into his presence. And that's why people that don't study, they just come to church. I don't want to get a word from the Lord. I'll just preach something to me. Pastor wasn't good today. I ain't like the service. I ain't like the music. I ain't like that. Are oh, you here for the wrong reasons? You understand now, first thing, the first thing that happens to you when you come to God is that you must die. 
When you came in, and notice, man, they would tell the folk, look, straight up, take the lamb if you had a little money, take the turtle doves if you, had, if you were middle class, and if you were straight up poor, take some flour, take some meal, and you put it on the altar. But anyway, before you come up in here, you got to die to something. You got to give up something. And notice now, they would literally, the Bible says in Leviticus, the first chapter, it says literally that you had to take a lamb, and the priest wouldn't do it, but you yourself had to take a knife and slit its throat. God, thank God for Jesus. And that was simply trying to send you a message that one day you and your sins would kill your savior but just because you die in your mess does not mean you won't live again because the word of the lord says if any man be in christ he is a new creature all things are passed away and behold hallelujah I'm a new creature today. Have I got somebody in here that knows what I'm talking? I don't want to push anybody today. But is there anybody in here that knows I'm different? Thank you, God. And so I, I, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to rush here because I got so much to say. But here's the thing. The main thing that this thing is trying to teach us is this human being. Huh? This, this clown. This nobody. This sinner. I mean, the priests were sinners. I mean, everybody, I mean, you got sinners running the church. Sound familiar to you? Yeah, all right. They're running it. And God is saying, now, this is how I'm trying to tell you that this ain't the perfect situation. You got sinners running the church. But God says, with my grace, I'll work this thing out. The goal was to get this. Now, some people think the goal was to get from here to here. But guess what? If you were just an average Joe, only the priest could go in and only a few priests could go in here and only one priest could go in here and he could only go in once a year. That rhymed, didn't it? All right. And so check this out. The natural thought process is my goal is to somehow get to his presence here. Because remember, the scripture says, let them come on. Talk to me, everybody. Let no, no, no. This is God saying this. Now I got to slow down here. God is the one saying, I want to be with you. This is a straight up love story. God is saying, I want to be with you. They weren't saying, God, be with us. God says, all right, y'all done sinned. You jacked up the Garden of Eden. That was the first sanctuary. I mean, that's the second sanctuary. First sanctuary was in heaven. The second one was in Eden. And look, they didn't need all this kind of stuff. They were just chilling with God. Walking with God. Walking with what? They were walking with God? For real? I mean, Adam is having a face-to-face conversation with God. My, 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 my. You talking about worship? For real? You're in the presence of straight up God. We jacked up though, didn't we? We sinned. And so naturally, what should happen when sin comes in? Let me explain to you now. Oh God, help me. Just restrain me, God, to preach what you've given me. But here's the thing. I want to be clear on this. And you hear me say this all the time. The Bible says your sins have separated you from God. Can I help you see something for a second? This should banish all self-righteousness. If if what I say to you does not penetrate your hard heart, nothing will. When God's presence comes amongst sin, it should kill sin. And if sin is in you, you should die. You can be preppy like the preacher. With a nice shirt on and nice shoes and colored socks and and and, 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 and ah, I know this. 
that you should be dead. Y'all not feeling me? Everybody should be dead. The priest, if he had to put little bells at the bottom of his robe, and, and most scholars say that there was a, a rope that extended 30 yards that he put outside. So when he walked in, if he died because he was not prepared for God's presence, then somebody wouldn't go in and get him. Uh-uh. Because if you went in, oh Lord have mercy. If you went in, you would die. So they had to drag old boy out of that place. When Moses was on the mountain with God. No, I don't know how God loved Moses. Moses, you the man, dude. Moses is on the mountain with God. And the Bible says he is literally in the presence of God. And he didn't even die. He was there for 40 days and didn't even have to eat anything, friend. Why? Because when you're in the presence of life, you don't need a hamburger. Oh, that's why I love to worship. Worship is life. The presence of God is life. And when Moses came off the mountain, the Bible says he came out and his face was on fire. His face was aglow. And the people of God said, hey, Moses, where you been? Moses said, what are you talking about? I've been on the mountain. Moses didn't even know that his face had caught on fire. And Moses said, oh, what's the problem? He said, Moses, your face is on fire. And for the rest of the time that Moses lived, he had to walk around with a veil on his face. I want you to understand now that when you're dealing with God's presence, you are dealing with straight up power. You know what amazes me? The only reason why you are alive in here right now is because of mercy. Not because of what you wore. There were two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. And them jokers died with the priestly garments on in the presence of God. Oh, no, I can't get nobody to pray with me now. So it is about our hearts. So, so what am I saying? The goal in this day was not to get from here to here. You know why? Because you couldn't go through here. You know what the goal was? And it's still the same goal today. Oh, help me God. The goal is to get here and here. Ecclesiastes 3 says, verse 11, it says, watch this. It says that he has set eternity in our hearts. The Bible says that the heavens cannot contain the Lord. The universe cannot contain his presence. The only thing that was designed to contain God's presence is smaller than the universe. Thank you, Lord. You. And so this is why the scripture says you are the sanctuary. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That was the plan. God says, I'm going to show you all this stuff. It's just a dramatization. Every day it had no power to forgive sins. It was just a type. It was just a prototype. He says, but I'm going to try to ingrain this in the minds of these slaves that what I'm trying to do is not get around them. What I'm trying to do is not get behind them. What I'm trying to do is not get ahead of them. What I'm trying to do is get inside. So here's a love story and I'm going to sit down. 
love story goes like this. Love story says you have nobodies. Let me come talk to my people. The love story says you have nobodies. Somebody shout nobodies. They're slaves. We ain't going to just jump into a bunch of furniture. If you, if you, don't, you ain't going to understand furniture if you don't understand his intent. Amen. A lot of people love furniture. Oh, let's talk about this and this applies to that. Listen, man, there is one big idea to this. That there's a God who's madly in love with you and not mad at you. And he wants to get in you. And so what happens here? For 400 years, does this sound familiar to any black folk in here? You have slaves. They're nobodies. And then the Bible says, Violet Cox, it says they began to cry out to God. Anybody feel like you're in slavery? Don't say amen. Anybody feel like you're in bondage? You're being oppressed by something? Can I tell you something? God has allowed that thing so that you will get to a point where you will cry out to him. So y'all ready for the love story? I'm just, I want to set this thing as it is in the Bible. Doc, they're crying out to God. God, deliver us. Free us from this oppression. Free us from this. But some of you are praying that right now about sexual sin and about anger and unforgiveness. You're praying, God, release me from my past. Release me from my sin. Release me from this thing that oppresses me. I'm in bondage to this thing. Release. And, and, and God starts hearing nobodies. Slaves? Who's thinking about these cats? Who cares? Because he's a God of nobodies. For all the important people out there, he's the God of nobodies. And you forgot that you were nobody. The old school, you remember the old school song? I'm just a nobody. I'm just a nobody. Trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save. Come on, what, what, what happened? When did y'all get all important? When did you get all big? You were nobody. And I'm not saying this to make you feel bad about yourself. I'm saying this to make you feel good about yourself. Because you got a God that loves nobody. you got a God that loves people with learning disabilities. God that loves people who were born illegitimately. A God that loves people that still sin and that will mess up tomorrow. You serve a God that loves people that will jack up three weeks from now. You serve a God that loves people that will sin in ten years. You serve a God that loves the man that committed the affair, that molested his daughter, that stole, that killed, that lied, that selfish, that's proud, that left their wife. I love everybody. That's the story. So these slaves, they, they can't take too much more. I'm almost done. I was trying to set this thing up so you know where we're going. They take us out of this, God. Free us, God. Take us out, God. The Bible says God heard. And he found a little nappy-head boy called Moses. He said, look, tell Pharaoh. Now, this is, we always stay right here. Tell Pharaoh, Aaron, let my people go. That's not what he said. God's first thing to Moses, and you look at it in the scriptures in Exodus 8, verse 1. Basically, he says, tell Pharaoh, let my people go. So that they might worship. God's original plan was not to pull them out. He said, just let me let them worship. And when they get God inside of them, they'll change Egypt. But what happened? Pharaoh got hard, didn't he? His thing was let them go so that they might hold a festival or a worship service in the wilderness. 
God says, oh, here I'm coming down somebody's street. I got I to gotta pull you out of your comfort zone. I got to get you out of Egypt. Because see, the thing about it is, and all of us have to be honest enough to admit it. I am honest enough to admit it today. The thing about sin that makes it so powerful is because most of the time sin feels good. Sin makes us feel better. It's a temporary fix for a lifetime problem. And we get attached to the temporary fix. We get attached to this person. We get attached to this thing. We get attached to this mindset. And even though the sin might be debilitating, even though it might be taking us out, We have gotten so used to slavery because we don't know what life is going to be like. At least I know where my meal is coming from. It happens with people in prison. They leave prison. It's almost like they don't know how to live because they've been so acculturated to prison. And I'm telling you right now, one of the dangers about being in sin for a long time is it jacks your mind up. And this is what happened to them. They were straight confused. They were confused, man. And God said, let him go so I can worship. Okay, y'all know how God got him out, right? He got him out, right? When he got him out, the main purpose of getting them out was to teach them how to have him live with them. Watch this. There's a book called Five Love Languages. Any married folk know what I'm talking about? Unmarried. You ever heard of... If you're not, if you're married and you got that book and you don't got it, then like go get that, go get that book. The premise of the book is that you have to love people the way that they need to be loved. All right. <laughs> Some of us have a tendency to love people the way we want to love them. <laughs> oh, can I testify? <laughs> Praise the Lord, Sister Edmonds ain't here today. So I have to see those piercing looks over here. But I'm going to tell you right now, when I got married to that girl, because I am a person who likes physical touch. Oh, come on, somebody. Uh, let me preach to this brother right here because I know he ain't going to look at me funny. My love language is physical touch. I didn't say sex. So y'all stop tripping. Amen. Amen. That's my, my, I mean, and look, I mean, come on now. Y'all, I'm, I'm, I'm legit. When I see a brother, I, I'm not, I, don't, I don't say, hi, how you doing? What's up, dude? <laughs> see you, man. I mean, you know, then we go into all this. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, I, I got it. Yeah, yeah. Holler at your boy. Yeah, man. Yeah, we'll holler. Yo, what's up, boy? I love you, baby. Yeah, I'm that guy. I don't even know you. I'm, I love you, man. Much love, yeah. You my dude, yeah. Much love. I got, come here, baby. Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, when I'm talking, my hands is all. I mean, I'm. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm legit. Come on, say my. I'm legit. But I come from a family where we are touchy feely, and I love you is touch me, hug me. See, if I went to some of y'all homes where all y'all do is say good morning. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. All right. See you tomorrow. Goodbye. Come on now. You got to come with it. And so, so when I got married, and when I got married, my wife's, see, her love language is quality time. Uh, so my thing was, I wanted to make love to my wife without spending time with my wife. And you know why I feel so comfortable talking about this? Because we're teaching on sex on Wednesday nights. From the Bible, you you better come on out. 
I, I'd encourage you. Some of you are saying, Pastor, ain't nothing gonna happen for me at this stage. You better come and talk to me. Yeah, you better, you better, you better hear this word. It's everywhere. And so, and so some of y'all, I mean, the amens will not come readily right now because the amens will be, uh, it, will, it would implicate. So, so don't say amen. But I want to make love. The ladies know what I'm talking about. But I did not want to spend no time. I wanted to watch the football game all day. And then at 2 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> Now, everybody has a love cup. <laughs> the pastor talked about it last week. Amen. Let me, let, me, let me show you how this thing works. So most people start their day like this. Full. Ready. But by the time my wife got home after work with the kids and work and drama and me leaving the room a mess and not making up the bed. Come on. Me forgetting to pay bills. Huh? Me, me you know, just me being me. By the time, I mean, I, I would, but God, I wouldn't pour any water out. But by the time it was like 10 o'clock at night, she'd be right here. <laughs> and then here I come. <laughs> hey, funny thing is, is all the married folk know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Especially the brothers. Amen. Brothers, you know what I'm talking about? Because, see, at that point, look, see, let me tell you something about a brother. Some brothers and maybe some sisters, but mostly brothers. And, and we talk about married folk. Amen. But see, brothers, man, like. I mean, we could have gotten in a car accident. We could have been robbed at gunpoint. I mean, someone could have killed us and resurrected us. We could have been diagnosed with cancer and been healed. We could have been in several storms and made it out. And by the time, and we have gotten no sleep all day. You you sleep. And my wife is like, she's like, what? What? Who are you? And where did you come from? And how did you get in my bed? And you want what? See, what I did not understand I was loving my wife and see my wife loves quality time, but I was doing acts of service and trying to always be on be, 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 be with her. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm buying stuff and all that's cool. And she's like, OK, thanks. All right. Thanks for the flowers. But see, if I spend time with her. My God. Now, now, here's the point that we're making about God. Somebody just got their breakthrough. Here's the point. Here's the point that I'm making about God. The point that I'm making about God is, I'm, I want you guys to see this thing. It's pra- now, we'll get heavy. Some of y'all, we'll get heavy. Don't worry. But you've got to know the purpose before you can understand how to interpret. All right? So here's the thing I've learned about God. The sanctuary services were designed to teach us what God's love languages are. He said, I've got to dramatize Every day, not only how I work, but how you please me. Now, so you're going to go home tonight and watch Scandal? I mean, you ain't going to spend no time opening this book? One of the things I learned about being married is I have to study my wife. 
I'm, I should be the number, I should be the number one scholar on Shanae. Because I'm studying her ways. I'm trying to find out what pleases them. I learned something this week about my daughter Taylor. My daughter Taylor is just like her mom. And my, I took my daughter out for a date one time. Once. One time. And man, we got, I mean, we, I got dressed. I put a bow tie on. You know what I'm saying? They're like, Pastor got dressed? For real? Yeah, yeah, I got dressed. Put a bow tie on. I took her to the Cheesecake Factory, you know, and she was all dressed. And people were looking at us like, what's going on? Like, why are these people, is this Halloween? What is, and we're all dressed up. And I take her, and, and, no, and my girl, I mean, if anybody's seen the movie The Bronx Tale, my, my daughter, I don't know where, her mama must have taught us some stuff on the side. So I, we get out the car. I mean, I stop the car at the Cheesecake Factory, and my daughter sits there. Okay, so I walk around and you know, man, I'm overdoing it, man. I mean, I'm gliding across and I open the door. Music is in the air. I take her hand out and I lift her and she's feeling it. She's just like, I mean. (laughs) Woo! And and, and so that was one time. And then ever since then, she's been bugging me. Daddy, I want to go on a date. 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 Now, just commercial real quick. Um, the reason why I do this is so when, when that I'm just saying when that when that dude shows up spitting game now, now I'm saying now I'm saying you feel me I'm, you know what I mean yeah she's gonna be like who is this guy child please so, I mean, they're just a little commercial. But here's the thing. I'm starting to learn. Oh, man, i got to be a student of my daughter. Look, when it comes to the things of God, let me tell you why we're getting into this study. Because as I have studied this thing, I'm starting to realize I've seen a side of God that I've never seen before. Remember, saints, listen to what God said in Exodus 25, verse 8. He says, he says let them build me a sanctuary so I can be with them. Is that a love story? I just want to be with them. Go on down to Revelation 21. The Bible says, and the tabernacle or the sanctuary of God is with men. The whole purpose is of, of us living and dying. Y'all better stay right here. Hear me right now. You're only here for one reason. So that you can be saved. So that one day, God and Myron can be, can be together. Oh, thank you, God. What is it, Jesus, about me that you want me so bad? Why are you going through this? God said, I want to be with y'all so bad, I'm going to get in a box. Now, Now, if I come down there, Moses, it's going, to be, it's going to require a lot. First thing you need to do, point number one, is you need to be willing. So I want your best. Give me all your stuff. Do you know where they got the stuff? They got the stuff from Egypt. Oh, that's a word for somebody out there. See, some of you are trying to figure out what was the benefit of me getting molested. 
What was the benefit of me being raised in a home where my father didn't really love me? What was the benefit of me getting cancer? What was the benefit of, uh, of my, my husband or my wife walking out on me? What was the benefit of my child dying? What was the benefit of me losing my job? What was the benefit of this crisis I'm having with my relationship with my mom or with my dad? And God says, because you're going to get some stuff out of this situation that you're going to be able to take to be able to worship me. Oh, y'all not hearing me. Your experience has a purpose. Does anybody need to hear that today? Oh, I'm going to preach this about myself. There is a reason why you're going through what you're going through, Myron. God says, I've not left you by yourself. God says, I have not just abandoned you. God says, you're not experiencing this heartache and this pain because I, I somehow have taken off or I'm on break. Ah, no, 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 no. The reason, Myron, I got to talk to myself, that you're going through what you're going through is because I'm going to use this thing so that you can bring much glory to my name. Don't give up. Don't give him. Don't turn around. Don't fall. Get, get. Bible says, get up. You got to be willing. Next point, you got to be exclusive. He says, make the sanctuary according to my pattern. Y'all, look, check this out. Man, this thing was so detailed that he even told the priest what underwear to wear. <laughs> you will never please God or speak his love language when you are cutting corners in areas of obedience. You will never you will never get to a place where he has filled your life until it is exclusive. There's no way I can love my wife while I'm loving yours. I got to be exclusive. And, I, and God says, y'all are so jacked up because you've been in slave, slavery for so long that you wouldn't even know how to worship me. So I got to tell you how to please me. So you got to be willing. Number two, <laughs> you got to be obedient. <laughs> I never shall forget. The day that Jesus said these words to me. I don't remember the time. I don't remember the place. But I can't get it out. It's like my heartbeat. You need me. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. Get ready, Willie. Hold on. Everywhere I go, I tell people this is the most important lesson you can ever learn about your relationship with God. You need him. You need him more than you're letting on. You need him more than what you're doing. Yeah, they need him. But let's be real. Can we, can we talk? You need him. 
and you don't need some of him. I want so much of God's presence in my life that sin cannot live in my flesh. God be willing. God be willing to die. The best things I've ever owned, the best things I've ever had, all cost me something. Amen. Can't have a relationship with God and it doesn't cost you nothing. Amen. Let them Make me a sanctuary. Listen. I want to be with you. But you got to let me show you how to be with me. How many confess today you don't have it all figured out and you need to learn by the grace of God? Why don't you stand to your feet right now? Sing a little bit of that, Willie. Falling in love with Jesus. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. Falling in love with Jesus. This is what God wants. Fall in love with Jesus was the best thing I've ever done. Thank you, Jesus. about your eyes are closed. Yes, Lord. Was the best thing I've ever in his arms. Ever done. In his arms I feel protected. Just sing to the Lord. No distractions. In his arms. In his arms. Jesus. I feel protected. Oh, oh, oh. In his arms. Never disconnected. 